Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. This is Connor Hall of the Golden Hours Podcast, and this is a quick GDP minute. Listen, we don't miss weeks. I will never miss a week for you guys unless I say, like, yo, we're going all the way in on the GDP project, and I need to kind of lock in for it, but we don't miss weeks. But last week, I was like, damn, we don't really have anything lined up for the start of this week to get out to the GDP FAMO. And I swear to God, I was just blessed. Some woman hit me up on LinkedIn. We were talking. And she was like, yeah, my sister's an ultra marathon runner. And I was like, what? She was like, yeah, she ran seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. And I was like, whoa, she sounds interesting. Looked her up, totally legit. We just ran an episode with Becca Peasy. And so I have never been more intrigued by someone's mental that we've had on the show she is legitimately has achieved some of the most ridiculous ridiculous physical feats of all time she and now she's planning on running across the country so she's planning on running two marathons in a day for 56 days straight that is nuts so she ran seven marathons in seven days on seven continents When she got to Antarctica the first time, she ran it twice, by the way. When she got to Antarctica the first time, her iPod was busted. And she ran through Antarctica with with no music for like three and a half, four hours. On her sixth race, she tore her groin at the start of the sixth race. Do you know how painful that is? That is insane. She And then she finished the sixth race, the, pretty much the whole race. She tore it on mile two. And then she ran the seventh race the next day with a torn groin. She's also, she did some volcano challenge where she was going delusional and hallucinating. And it was so interesting just hearing about her mental and what she thinks about suffering and pain. And she's super positive. But even at the end of the episode, she talked about how these comments on a Wall Street Journal article about her affected her. And it's like, I'm thinking to myself, like, this woman has achieved the most insane physical feats of all time, but still a comment online will will throw her off. And it just goes to show how crazy the human psyche is that we're like, people can be the toughest people of all time, but certain things just affect them emotionally. I just think it's... It was insane, and she was really, really cool. She also balances two businesses. Go hit up Moozies if you guys have time in Belmont. Um, and I feel very blessed to have run the episode. It was a really fun episode and uh, just really, really inspiring. I mean, I've started running myself, and I just can't even complain. I ran a four-miler like three, four days ago, and I uh, pretty much went into cardiac arrest. So, whoa, that was bad. Anyway, man, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you enjoyed, just share it with a friend. That's all we ask. Shouts out to the research squad for getting us ready for this one. Riley and Lexi and then B came in on the last day. And um, we got other great episodes coming up. So all love. Big GDP film on the way. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't tell anyone. Peace. Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait. Was that not it? Hey, enter. Just you forgot to enter. I'm Becca Peasy, ultra endurance runner, and um, this is my golden hour. How about now? Can you hear me? Yeah, we're good. Perfect. Hey, I'm Connor. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. We're living in a strange world, man. Normally, I'd, we would just have you to the studio. Where are you, Belmont? Belmont. Sweet. Um, yeah, so as I was saying, like, we have a variety of people on the show, like, ranging in every single industry, and when... When I talked to your sister last week, I thought she was like totally bullshitting me. I yeah. thought she was like, she was like, yeah, my sister ran like seven marathons on seven continents in seven <laughs> days. And I, and I was like, all right, like that seemed like a pretty elaborate lie. Like, why would you just say that? And, and then she brought it up again in the conversation. And I was like, what? And so I give you a Google search and like, you've just done the craziest stuff ever. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah. before, before we move on, can you just give a quick synopsis of who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I'm Becca PZ and I live in Belmont, Mass. And um, basically best known for running seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. 
and run about, let's see, I think just over 80 marathons, but just about over 80 marathons. So looking to finish a marathon in all 50 states and I can just keep going. If this Now, was that the 50 challenge that you were talking about or is it 50 marathons in 50 days and 50? No. States? Yeah. So there's this, I'm just looking to finish the 50 states. So it's taken me about five years to do all the 50 states. And so now that you've already just housed the world marathon challenge twice, like in your mind, what's like the next challenge? The next challenge for me after the 50 states, the big goal is to run across America, which has been, had, I've been thinking about it for about two or three years. And um, I'd like to run an ultra marathon. I'd like to run across the US. I'd like to do an Ironman. I'm drawn to like these ultimate tests of endurance and strength. Uh, races. So um, hope to finish all three of those things. Now, what is, can you just, for anybody listening, just distinguish what an ultra marathon actually is? I thought the world marathon challenge was an ultra marathon. Yeah. So it's funny that you say that because it's the world marathon challenge. Each marathon was a marathon 26.2 miles. Technically speaking, anything over 26.2 miles is an ultra marathon. So a 30 mile race or 50 miler, a hundred mile race. So, um, they're best known for like 50 or hundred mile races. And so I, last night, Brendan, our, one of our producers who you just talked to, he was like, Hey, there's this woman who came on Joe Rogan. Brendan, what was her name? Courtney DeWalter. Yes. So she ran 240 through Moab, 240 miles through the desert. Does that type of challenge like intrigue you in your mind? Does like something trigger like, oh my God, I might be able to do that? Yeah, if I get to thinking about it long enough. So the World Marathon Challenge, I had a shot at making history. No female had never run seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. So I was drawn more to the making history and getting into the Guinness Book of World Records. And um, my daughter was eight at the time and I wanted to show her that you could do anything you put your mind to if you believe in yourself. So if I can, if there's something that I just can't stop thinking about, like the run across America, maybe I can raise a million dollars for charity. I, I, I love these kind of things. So, um, you know, it, it would definitely be if, if I learn more about the race and something that I want to go for. Um, I always say if my dreams don't scare my parents, they're not big enough. So I know that when they're scared that, um, that my dream's pretty big. Well, so how do you assess that at, at this point? Like you're so super accomplished athletically how do you set the bar for yourself to like go a little bit harder? You it's know what hard. I'm saying? Yeah, I know like exactly. You, what you're like saying. you plateau it's after a certain point, like what more can you really do? Yeah. And that was something that the race director, ironically, Richard Donovan from Ireland, he said to me, when you cross the finish line, it's hard because there's no, like what's next. Everybody wants to know what's next. They want to hear from you. They want to, you know, know what you're up to. And, and so that's, I did it again. I had an opportunity to run the race again and I thought I'm, I'm going to go for it. No, no female has ever run it two times. And so I went for it again and, and I had so much fun. I also love to run and I love to travel. So getting to do the things that I love to do is fun for me. Um, but people are constantly like, what's next? What are you up to? What are you doing? And, um, I feel like that's, you know, I want, I, I will never run across America until I'm mentally and physically willing and able to do it. And, um, you how know, do you assess that though? How do you know when you would be ready? I, the year, it takes me before any big feat that I sign up for, it takes me a full year to train my mind, my body. So, um, I know if I put in a year's worth of training that I'll be ready to go. So at what point we had talked on the phone a little bit about it. So you ran your first marathon when you were 17, right? Mm-hmm. At what point growing up did you know mentally you had something in you that was a little bit different than everybody else? Um, so basically running through high school, breaking records, I love that, you know, and my hometown of Belmont is so supportive of me. And, you know, they're, they all, I lay my dreams out there and they're like my biggest fan. Being from the Boston community where we have all these resources here, um, I feel like I love to make people proud, my parents, my family, my sponsors. So definitely um, seeing, I like to push my, my mind and body to see what I can do. And, you know, there was a point when my parents were really afraid about this race and they said, 
what if you don't finish? But what if I do, you know? And I know that in my mind, if I don't finish Around Across America, if I don't finish, I have laid it out there and I've done everything in my power to finish these races. And um, the, the it's hard having big dreams because there's so much room for failure, you know? But um, maybe because I was raised by a Marine who, who's, you know, he, he's a tough guy and um, super, super loving. And, you know, he is, my dad's totally my hero and big, big cheerleader and supporter, but, um, I don't know why, why I'm so different, you know, so, but I, I wouldn't change it. So there was no moment when you were growing up where you were like, you know what, I think just a little bit differently than most people. Like I, when I was in fifth, I was telling the producers this when I was in fifth grade, I've just always been like, I've had good jokes, man. Kind of a class clown, (laughs) but I realized in fifth grade, I was like, yeah, I can make people laugh on command a lot easier than everybody else I realized that early like when you were growing up did you realize like okay like I got that alien brain and everybody else is like subservient yeah I think I think when I was running with the boys because the girls couldn't keep up when I was younger and and I remember liking that and seeing maybe they can push me and it was that's definitely been something growing up you know working out with the boys and running with the boys and then I I did join an all-girls track club Liberty which is still around and um was coached by by a great Ken McKenna, who was great. And I think, I think that had a lot to do with it too, but I, I love pushing my, I've always loved just remember my whole life, just running and, and loving the feeling. And I remember when my dad took me in my first race, I was six years old. And I remember, I remember getting in the car on a five mile race and I won my age group. I think I was the only one in my age group, but I won my age group. And I remember I got all this like Bay bank swag and it was like this bank kind of like Bank of America back in the day. And I remember thinking, this is awesome. Like I can win stuff. And like, it didn't occur to me that I was the only one in my age group, but I love the feeling and getting a scholarship in college and getting, I just like, love that. What'd you get? Like a bunch of stress balls and pens. I got like a cooler, a water bottle, an extra large t-shirt. I was only <laughs> like all this cheesy stuff, but I won it. So it meant so much to me. So that's what I remember. So you're like a really, like you're a competitive psycho. Yeah, I am really competitive. And, and so it's tough, you know, when the second time I ran 777, I had help from Tom Brady's company, TB12. And, and I thought there's no way you cannot come in second place with Tom Brady's help. It's not an option. So the pressure, but I, I learned what I learned about myself is I work really well under pressure. So, um, it's not when I run across America, when I have these big dreams, I know that everybody's watching. So, um, you know, I, I actually got in a little bit of trouble when I ran this for the first time. I had a groin tear, like I, my groin was torn. And How bad? I, really, like, to the point Partial. where like I couldn't walk. And I was like, it was mile two, marathon six. And something that the Red Sox, uh, the Patriots had said, we didn't come this far just to come this far. And, you know, I didn't give up a year of training and, you know, leave my daughter for 16 days to, to not finish this race. So when I do commit to these races, not finishing this race is never an option for me. I'll do whatever it takes. And that means like running on an injured foot and doing everything that I can to finish line. So when I crossed the finish line in Australia and my family was live on Skype and my daughter got pulled from her classroom to announce that I had made history. Um, and you know, it was, it's something that just means so much to me, you know? So the second time I ran it, um, I had that help from Tom Brady's company, TB12, and uh, finished without an injury. You're pumped so, about like, that, huh? You're pumped about the TB12 sponsorship. Yeah. I would be too. That's Yeah, that's they fire. were so supportive and, and was just my biggest fan, and it's pretty awesome. So you can you just give a, a quick foundation of how the Ultra Marathon Challenge, the World Marathon Challenge works? So it's all premeditated, but you fly from the U.S. to where? The race begins in Antarctica. For me, that was my most favorite continent, but also the most intimidating. It's, It's so cold that like your iPod doesn't start. You can't really think straight. So you have to come out of the gates like with 100% focus because you it's negative 20 degrees, it's freezing. And you're like, how am I going to, you know, so you just say, if I just get through this one, then I'll be okay. You know, this is, this is the one you go to Canada to train for it. You know, I had gone, I had gone into 
Canada and ran like for a couple hours and then just to see, I mean, it gets cold in Boston, but not that cold. So you want to feel, know what that feels like. So my husband and I went to Montreal to, to run. And so that's Antarctica to me. Once I get Antarctica all the way out of the way, I'm like, okay, okay, I'm okay. But then next up, you know, it's next up was in Chile and, you know, you're, you're going from like negative 20 to 90 degrees. And, and that's a huge, you know, you're like, I'm so, so cold. And then 24 hours later, you're like, I'm really hot. I don't feel good. So you just on top of running, you know, in the very first time I ran this race, it was on, um, we mostly took American airlines. So you're relying, you put in all this work for a year and you're relying so heavily on hoping that the flights get on time. And, and that's very stressful. So you just keep your guard up and take one continent at a time. So you flew commercial between continents. Yeah, the first time. The second time we chartered a, pl- a plane, the Airbus 340, and it was so awesome because we got to leave our stuff on the planes and didn't have to like lug all our stuff everywhere with us. So first plane ride, you hop off the American Airlines flight, or I'm sure they had you on like a smaller plane to get to Antarctica, right? In the first place. Yeah, you're on the military Russian illusion, which is awesome. I mean, it's, it's military style seating like bucket seating and the, and the seatbelts come over your head and it, that was one of my favorite things about the whole experience so what type of terrain are you running on in antarctica is it a glacier yeah so you're running on a glacier which which <laughs> can can crack at any time Pro- probably won't you hope that it doesn't but the race director director will not if it's not safe he won't let you race so um luckily that they get there early and in the russian military sets up every the whole course for you and so you know you're safe now, what are you doing for shoes to run on the glacier? I ran in my Newtons. So I, that's what I trained in and that's what I ran. And you could run in like anything else that weather trained ones, but I didn't want to get shin splints at like mile 20 to 26. So I, I, I'm very familiar with the Newtons. So I ran in the Newtons. I'm unfamiliar with Newtons. Are they a company from around here? Or? Based out of Colorado. They're, they're like a marathon sneaker. Okay, yeah. sweet. So you... When you're running, and I we had read something that like your iPod was like busted in Antarctica, like wouldn't it's work. So cold. It's so so cold; it doesn't turn on, and you're like, "What am I going to do for the next four hours?" Like, this so, you, is- so you had no music in Antarctica? No, I had no music, and then I thought, "This is pretty." It does take a tremendous amount of focus because you have to think about your water intake. You're drinking warm water because because cold water would freeze. So, um, it kind of helped me both times to keep my guard up you know, like no silly mistakes. And, you know, maybe, maybe if you're listening to iPod, maybe you'll, you'll go through a water station, not thinking of how much you need to drink the water. So it was a blessing in disguise, but that when you go to turn your iPod on and it doesn't work, you're like, Oh, this, this is going to be a long day. Wait. So you hopped off the plane in Antarctica and you had, you were playing nothing in your ears for the whole time running on the glacier. Yeah, and the what? Yeah, it's you know, I thought about my daughter. It gets you thinking because you're like, I, I'm out here and like, but then you're like, I'm in Antarctica for four hours. I will never get this back in my entire life. Y'all not probably never go to Antarctica ever again. Let me just take it in the mountains, the sun. The problem it's very windy. So it's, it's really, really windy. It kind of feels like somebody's tugging at your jacket and you can't run. Um, and then the other thing is the sun is completely blinding. So you have to wear like head to toe, any, any exposed skin, you'll get blisters. So you have to be totally, um, covered head to toe, which, which again was, is very different from running in Boston. So, um, it does help you focus more. But the first time I ran it, the two guys were about 15 minutes ahead of me and the guys behind me were a half hour behind me. So not having anybody anywhere near me was very stressful. Now, what's going on in your mind when you're trekking across the glacier, no music? Like, what, where do you reach in your mind? Are you, like, thinking of your past? Are you, like, thinking solely the race? Well, two things. I always think about my daughter when I run. And, and what I say to myself is, are you doing everything you can possibly be doing right now to win this race? Like, is, are you laying it all out there? Are you running smart? Are you, you know, and then oftentimes the answer is no, like I could be running a little bit harder or maybe I need to make smarter moves or so. So I think mostly the focus in Antarctica, you know, and, um, that, that was really stressful and it's, it's freezing there and it's, the sun is so blinding and, you know, so, but when I'm running, I'm thinking about my daughter and, you know, leaving her for two weeks is, you know, I just, it's so important that I do the best that I can do. 
So you are solely thinking about your daughter and then the terrain in the course for the three, four hour period. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all it. you that's do it. is hear yourself breathing. Do you see any animals along the way? Do you see anything? Like- no, no, there were no animals. And, um, it was a 10 K course that you run four times. So if you're going to drop your gloves or if you're going to drop a hat or something, you're going to go six miles without it. So you need, you need to start thinking it like mile five, or you need to start thinking well into the, cause then once you drop it, is it going to be wet when you go to pick it up the next loop? Or you have to like, think about that kind of thing. Like it, there's only four water stops. So you gotta be sure. Now, what did you do for like a carb loading before the first marathon? So the food in Antarctica, I had a dessert on all seven continents, which was awesome. And Antarctica, the food is so good because they have a chef there. They have a whole team of people there for you. And I had meatloaf and mashed potatoes. I'm like, maybe I'm eating too much, but I don't know. I mean, I'm, I was kind of hungry and, you know, wanted to be sure over the next seven days, you lose about 10 pounds and everybody averages about losing 10 pounds over the seven days. So, um, trying to keep your hydration up is, was actually one of the hardest you know, you, you, you have to get up in the middle of your flight and walk around and drink a ton of water. You just don't feel good. You don't feel tired. You're being poked at, you don't, but trying, trying to recover on every in between and stay hydrated. That was really hard. And then any food that we could find we were eating. So like any, you know, there was, there were a ton of food options, but what something I didn't really realize is chicken overseas is very different than chicken here. So maybe it's spicy over there. Maybe it's, so that was another thing I didn't take into consideration. So before the first race, though, the the prep beforehand, I've just been doing a little bit of research. I know people, they taper off their runs, they have fresh legs. But what were you doing in terms of diet right before the first race? Were you going like heavy, heavy on carbs? Yeah, I ne- typically before a mar- one marathon, I'll back off on the carbs the week leading up to it. But this is so different because it's over seven days that I was actually eating double the carbs. So and just trying to like... Do you track your to- mac- macronutrients? No, no. And I've never done anything like that. No. So what? You're just like, all right, I'm gonna have like 10 fat bowls of pasta. I'm going to have an extra potato. I'm going to have an extra bowl of pasta. I'm going to, cause I'm probably going to need it over the 10 days. So you you kind of go to the starting line a little bloated. You're like, I'm, rather than like really fit, you're like, I'm kind of a little bloated. So, um, that that's different for me. And in terms of rehydration, are you doing a lot of like Gatorades with electrolytes? Are you doing cliff bars while you run? Like, how are you replenishing your body? The two things that I, goo, um, Roctane makes a a great goo. And then the second one is Ultima Replenisher, which is um, sold at Whole Foods. It's an excellent electrolyte. Those are my two go-tos. So I knew I could travel it. I knew I could take take the sticks with me and switch the flavors. And, um, but during this seven, 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 I, I kept adding more. So I'd start every marathon with two goos. And by the end, I was, my sister gave me like six goos, like towards the, I'm like, I, I need another goo. Like I, I'm tired. I'm, I feel Give me that goo, I, man. Give me that goo. Yeah, I really was like, and, and she's like, and she was a hero about getting that for me. And she was able to figure that out. And, you know, so having, having the extra goo and, and, um, electrolytes really helped. It's the little things. Yeah. Extra goo. Yeah. Are you a big Whole Foods fan now? No, like I really am the old fashioned, like, you know, when I remember when the world switched to like quinoa, I'm like, what's the quinoa? Why are we doing that? Like, I just love, I'm Italian. I love pasta just as is with chicken and, and Parmesan and everything. Like I just really just have always been an old fashioned and because I'm still running about 70 miles a week. So, um, what you, you know, do I have, today? I did 10 this morning. You know, what, Becca, I did a 2.5 mile sprint for myself and a one mile cool down. And I almost had an asthma attack. <laughs> and, I w- and I was literally thinking, I was running through Quincy today. I was like, how could anybody enjoy this? And enjoy it times 2 million. It's insanity. <laughs> I love it. I just love, I just love to travel. I don't know. I, I just really enjoy it. I really love seeing the world. Now, what was your loop today? So today I did track workout. Yeah, I did. That, that, that low impact? Yeah, and we did 800s just, you know, because the thing is, so we today was when you re-sign up for Boston and it's going to be virtual and um, very different, but you have a two-week span in September to run the Boston Marathon if, if you've qualified. And obviously they can't have Boston Marathon this year. So that's that's kind of devastating. But um, 
we're going to run it virtually in September and it's going to be awesome. And so I know that I'm still training just to stay in repetition. And, but I know that there's going to be a marathon some point and hopefully uh, in the near future, but I want to be fit and ready to go when I run it and who knows when it's going to be, but I've never, this is, I've been a year and a half without a marathon. This is the longest I've ever gone in my life without running a marathon. So I like to run between seven and 10 a year and to not have that. It's frustrating. Now, what would you like to do for timing on the Boston? Like, what would be good for you? So I'm hoping to find something, maybe there's a marathon somewhere um, that uh, where I can kind of race it and use the, that as a virtual time. But um, I like to re- usually run it in the 330 range. What's your like record? 324. So you want to do that 323. Yeah. I know but what's going on in your head, really man. Race- yeah, I've never raced a marathon. Like I've never haven't. I've, I always because I run like ten a year, seven to ten a year, so I'm pretty tired when I go to run a marathon. But as long as I can always, I want to keep my Boston streak. I've run eighteen. This will be eighteen for me, and I want to keep that streak going and finish the fifty states, and then maybe race a couple marathons. But now, if you really sent it, do you think you could go under sub three hours? I think Kristen can. My sister could if she did. But yeah, I, I mean, maybe in my college years I could have. But why uh, Kristen's faster than you? Kristen's so fast. She's, yeah, she's like a 3.05 marathoner. I'm like a 3.30. What's in your guys' gene pool, man? <laughs> did, did you guys just grow up like beating the shit out yeah. of each other in your house? Yeah, we just grew up running. My dad was a big, I remember saying to my dad, I don't want to bike, I want to run. And he was like, okay, let's run. And, you know, my daughter's a big biker and we, we got bikes and we, she hasn't said that yet, but that's okay. <laughs> Okay, so just peeling it back a little bit. So you, after the first Antarctica race, you finish it, and then you fly to like a mountainous range in Chile? Yeah, Chile was unbelievable, Santiago, and that was really, yeah, Punta Arenas, Chile was great. And um, and that was right, run right in the water. That was really, uh, right outside Patagonia. That was pretty cool. Now, I frequently, again, I can't even compare myself to you, but when I'm running, obviously your brain has the moment where it's like, all right, it's time to quit. Like it's time to slow down. It's time to stop. How do you assess that when you're running? I don't, like- I still, not until I cross the finish. I over, whenever I sign up for any race, 5k marathon, I envision in my training, me crossing the finish line, like what that's going to feel like in another state, in another country, down the street. And I don't, stop until that I hit my goal. I mean, luckily I've never been so badly injured that I wasn't, I have a high tolerance for pain until I don't. And when I don't, I just don't, you know? So I try and just keep my focus and guard up and and envision myself in my training. The more I do it in my training, the more I want that feeling of crossing the finish line with my hands in the air or next, maybe my daughter runs the last hundred yards with me or so. That's how I, so that's what my goal is to like, finish the way that I trained, you know, and, um, in my training, I can't adapt to this model, get comfortable being uncomfortable and you'll make it. And and that just means like doing things all the time that you don't feel like doing. Maybe you're running twice a day. Maybe you're running at four in the morning. So once you adapt those things, then, then that's your new normal. But how do you assess the voice when you're running? That's telling you to quit. Obviously you don't give into it, but like, what is your internal conversation? Well, I think about like telling my daughter I didn't finish or I didn't win or I didn't, you know, and, and the heartbreak, you know, like I think about like, but I always tell her, you know, I, I don't want to put the pressure on her that I want her to feel like she's done her best. So um, I always just say just, you know, when I went to the run the volcano marathon, I kind of embarrassed myself. Like I, it was at 15,000 feet altitude. I got out of the Jeep and like at the top of the mountain and I like fell onto the, I could not, even though we went out there early and I ran at like 10,000, when I hit that 15, I thought I was going to collapse. And I felt like, and and, um, it was in Santiago, Chile. Oh, so this, you're saying this is part of the world marathon. This was not part of the 777. This was called the volcano marathon. This was completely different race that, that I actually wound up really loving, but, um, I didn't win. And I came in second. I didn't do so bad, but I didn't win. And, and I don't like that feeling of telling my daughter that I didn't win, you know, and, and, but I did everything I possibly could. I thought when I was running, I was at like mile 20. I'm like, this is going to be my first did not finish, you know, and everything was going through my mind. And I just remember like the altitude, it started at 15 and only went down to 13. So it's not even like it went down to 5,000 feet. It like, it was, it was really, really tough. And, um, 
sometimes life doesn't go your way and that's okay. But I, I did the best that I could do. I mean, I, there's no altitude in Boston. So it was really hard training and, and go, I don't know why I thought I could run this, this race and, but I did the best that I could and that's okay. I learned, I definitely was felt stronger for finishing it, but, um, you know, but you, you want to go back and do it again to win. The race director was like, come back. And I feel like you could do it a lot better. I'm like, I'm lucky I didn't die. You know, I, I had the time of my life, but that that's, that's scary. 15,000 feet. That's so high that like, I was delirious. I was like foaming at the mouth and, and didn't feel good. And, but, um, I like those, it was one same race director. So I really love his races and he has the North pole marathon, which is negative 50. So I'd like to do that someday these people who like stress out about heartbreak kill, you must be like, you are so soft. <laughs> I definitely, these races definitely make you, even still when I go to a marathon, I'm like, pull it together. It's just one. You're just running one together, one today, just pull it together, you know? So, um, but I do, I love to, I love to like see what I can do. All right. So Chili's done and you were comfortable with that race. You eat as soon as the marathon's over. Yes. On site or on the plane? Right across. So when you cross the finish line, it, so when you cross the finish line, like you go, it's all hours of the day. So you're not running every day at 8 a.m. You're running whatever you get off the plane and you have an hour to, to like adjust. And, um, but when you cross the finish line, chances are right across the street, there's your hotel where you kind of shower, regroup and um, get organized. And then they had food open 24 hours. So you eat there. Now, what is your sleep schedule like in the seven day period? Um, you're averaging about 10 hours flying per day. So I was able to sleep no problem on the plane. So I slept between seven and eight hours a night without a problem. People said, how did you sleep on the plane? Well, we just ran a marathon. We were so tired that we slept. So I, I, but then like when you have to get up every couple hours to like roll foam roll and hydrate. And so that was tough. That was like, I, you kind of would like get up and move around. Then you're like, okay, no, I need to stand up and go to the bathroom and, and roll up my, so that you don't want to really, really stiffen for eight hours. Cause then every marathon I'm like, okay, just get to mile four and then your body will be warmed up and you'll be ready to go. So you're waking up from a nap on the plane and you're taking out a foam roller on like the aisle and you're rolling out your hamstrings and. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And the seat, this, um, the seats laid flat down into bed. So you were able to like, roll like pull your leg back or like stretch out your body on the bed as as well okay so from chile you go where miami so you had the home course advantage being a number three um they switched the routes the second time so the second time i did this we finished in miami but having it third was really awesome because you had that like home course advantage feel you know you're back in america um that was that was real. I was drinking Starbucks and eating pizza. It was great. My was whole it in family. The summer? Um, no, it's in January. So okay, I was going to say Miami in the summer is like ridiculous. Yeah, that would be tough. Yeah, that would be tough. So it was perfect conditions. Like I remember being like tank top and shorts and feeling totally comfortable. And then you head to Europe or Africa? Madrid. So Madrid was at next in Europe. And um, the problem with this race is Madrid and Morocco um, were two marathons within 12 hours. So I started the Madrid marathon at 11 AM and was towing the line of Morocco at midnight. So I'm like, just get through these two back to back marathons and you'll just have Dubai, you know, in, in Australia. Does the so, race designer specifically do that right in the middle to like really challenge the runners? No, I think he would do opposite. I think that we have no time. So that's exactly why we had to run that one back to back just to get to Dubai and then to Australia. Now, was there any moment when you're on the plane and you're flying from country to country where you're like, all right, like I really am just tapped out or are you like pumped the whole time? Yeah, no, you're tired. Yeah. The thing with this, these type of races, which I didn't really realize your highs are high. You're like, I just ran another marathon. Here's another awesome medal. I'm having a great time, but your lows are really low. Like I cried. Cause like, couldn't find my apple one time. And I was like, this, this is ridiculous. Or I was really missing my child. I was, you know, feeling selfish for leaving her. The lows are low. Like when you don't, when you're, when you still have four marathons to go and you don't feel good, that stinks, you know? So I think, but you just, 
like you just envision crossing the finish line and you, you know you're going to get there. You take one marathon at a time. Sometimes you take one mile at a time just to get through it. And um, that was definitely, the lows are, are tough. You, you just know that you're going to get through them. And the beauty of this type of races is you're going through hell together. So you you meet this all these runners and they know your low points. You know when somebody's having a bad day, you just kind of rally. But as much as you are to maybe you're there to race and win and compete, you become lifelong friends. So you're like, you become really close and, and you help each other through it. Okay. So it was race six where you tear the groin, right? On the first yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Did you feel it split? I felt, it felt like somebody took a knife and stabbed me and then groin with it. And ironically, I had just gotten off the phone with my parents and I was like, we're good. Like I just run these two more. Like I could, I really started to feel the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm like, we have Dubai. It's a beautiful day in Dubai. There are spectators out there cheering us on. And I remember being at mile two and it just kind of felt like a stabbing knife. And I knew right away. I'm like, I think I, and it, what happened is it turned black and blue. So they did like a travel, like ultrasound thing. And they said, you've torn it. And I thought, Oh my God. But there wasn't, we were concerned that it might be a blood clot and it wasn't a blood clot. Thank God. So I was able to, so when I crossed the finish line, I had one marathon to go. And I was just thinking you have a 12 hour flight to Australia and the airline stewardess, she was like like switched out my ice back for me when I fell asleep. That was the lowest point where I was thinking I cannot run. How, like you said, people lifting up the cars, like you just do it. You do, And I thought I can spend four hours in pain, you know, or 40 years explaining to the world that I almost did it. The two American females that tried to run this race um, that were stopped at mile six, marathon six, because they were so badly hurt. Um, Wait, so, so I, it was the start of the sixth marathon where you tore it though, right? No, I was, well, I was at mile two. So I was well into, I was like into the race. Like I started the race. I remember talking to my parents and just saying like, I feel good. Everything's great. So talking to the sponsors after every marathon and, um, it just gave out. So but you when still I, had all of six and seven. All of six and seven. Yeah. When I was running at marathon six and I remember just thinking, I mean, I was taking painkillers. I don't even take painkillers. I was taking like pain. They were like handing me painkillers and I was taking them because I was so desperate and I didn't know what they were, didn't, but I knew that I was in trouble. Like I knew that I had to do whatever it took to finish. And, um, when I crossed, so when I, I really didn't know until I crossed the finish line, like how badly it was, you know, I was like, I'm in pain, but, and then when I crossed the finish line of marathon six, and I had one to go. I'm like, I I will walk this. I don't know what to do. Like I, I'm, but I'm gonna I'm gonna finish. So they were giving you painkillers, like what? Were they were like oxycotton or like Vicodin. I don't even. I still don't know what they were, but they were not. They weren't Advil. I don't. I don't. I don't know. And it definitely was not my proudest moment. I don't. I don't even take Advil now. I don't take anything. I just like to just work it out, you know. And so. But when you're desperate, you're desperate. So I was definitely thinking, like, if I can finish this race or, you know, and, and these are doctors. These aren't people that just are off the streets. They, I, I fully trusted that they would know what to do. What was your pace on the sixth and seventh? Um, four. It was right under four hours. So um, You're a sicko. You're a sicko. <laughs> I, I just wanted to get it done. And so I remember, like, when getting arriving to Australia, I hadn't seen my husband in, like, two weeks, like, probably two weeks. And I was like, he like threw out his arms and I was like, I can't even walk. Like, I don't know what to do. And so he had, when I was running Australia, it was super frustrating. Cause I was like in my mind, I had never had an injury like that. Like nothing has ever stopped me from, you know, I haven't felt good and things didn't, but nothing like that. Like I, I really couldn't walk. So I'm like, I get to figure out how, but I got this email from this doctor at Harvard and he said, run with your toes facing all the way in. You're going to take the pain off your groin and you'll be using other muscles. So I did that and it really, really helped me. And I'm like, how can these people all over the world be rallying for me? Like he took the time out of his day to like email me and be like, my name's Dr. Brown. I hope you get this email. And it was like, it meant so much to me that I was, even the airline stewardess who like changed out my ice pack because I was crying and, you know, like, it's like these people are like rallying for me, you know, it felt made me feel really good. But was it still excruciating in six and seven? Yeah, like it was so bad that my bottom lip was quivering on its own. Like I it's like it was so painful that like 
I, you can't think straight and you just can't, and you just envision like I'm going to cross the finish line. You know, I've put in so much hard work and dedication to this event that like, I'm, uh, and I'll pay for the, when I crossed the finish line, it was awesome. Like my parents were live on Skype and my daughter was watching, like, everybody was watching and it made me, made me feel really happy. And, and like, I just triumphed, you know? And so, um, are you but, like looking back on it? Are you like kind of pumped that you tore your groin? Cause you're like, damn, this was like a really come from behind well, story. Yes and no. Like it really made for a miserable experience during and scary. Like I wish, I wish it didn't happen. But, um, and also it doesn't really do well. Like when I tell kids, listen to your body, your body will tell you if you need a break. So when pe- my friends call me and they're like, oh, I had a shin splint, but I ran but I ran through it and I'm like, no one's proud of you. Now you're going to be hurt. And you're not, that was not a good idea. You shouldn't be running. But like I did it. So people were like, well, you did it. But, but I had a world record at stake. Like the Guinness book of world records was at stake. So I was like, I, I, you know, it, it was, it's different, but it's hard for me to say, oh, well, well, I did it, but you don't do that. So, um, I don't recommend, I, I highly recommend listening to your body and you know, your body will tell you, you're like, I need a break or go, you feel good, go. So when I had the help the second time, um, it, I crossed the finish line and it was awesome because my daughter ran the last hundred yards with me and I had no, I ran two days later. Like I got home to Boston and I just went for a little run and I was like, with, with the groin tear. No, this was the second time. The oh. first time I was out, I could not run for 30 days. So I envision, I think that the run across America is probably going to be a lot like that. I'm going to get at some point over these 54 days, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble and something's going to hurt a lot. And, and during the seven, 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 like one runner, his feet were so swollen. He could not run with sneakers. And like one runner had severe back issues like this, putting a lot on the line, you know? So I think the seven, seven, I mean, I think the run across America is going to be a lot like that. Are you like a masochist? Do you think? No. Yeah, I mean, I definitely am. People are like, you're crazy. I'm like, oh, uh, certifiably. Like, not, no one's arguing. Like, I, I am definitely as crazy as, as, but I think, I think it takes a lot of crazy to do these type of things. Absolutely. And I love that. And I, I feel you on that. I'm nuts yeah, too, I, man. I yeah, love it. Yeah. I mean, people are like, I mean, then you get the people that are like, I mean, I was in Wall Street Journal, Sports Illustrated, all these things. And people are like, well, you're not curing cancer. You're not saving the world. But I didn't like, that's hurtful to me because I'm doing the best that I'm, what I'm most proud of. Um, so like I have a children's book and, and the proceeds go towards my foundation. We've given over $30,000 in, in my, um, foundation to high school kids. And I have a 5k race and, uh, graduating seniors. And, and that makes me so proud to be able to give back. So while I'm not saving the world and I'm not curing cancer, I'm super proud of my foundation. And, and Wait, I don't, I don't really understand why, what the, the critics, what their argument is. I think that's the hardest part of being who I am is I think people just don't, don't like your dreams. And I think, and that's okay. You know, and, and I think that's, but reading the comments um, was like one time I like cried myself to sleep and like I was crying and my daughter came out of the room and she's like, what's the matter, mom? And and I just stared at her. Cause I didn't want to say that like one person was like, I think that you should hang yourself. And I was like, well, I've never wished that on anybody, but that's in, in that. And like, I was so proud to have the wall street journal, like, but the comments are and how could I, I couldn't tell my daughter. So I just stared at her and she was like, um, I, are you happy crying? I'm like, yep, that's what I'm doing. I'm happy crying. You know, I'm following my dreams and living my dreams. And I, I never had the heart to tell her that like people are mean. And, and that's what's really hard about having big goals and big dreams. People are, they don't like them, you know, and, and many like the biggest, I don't understand the, I don't understand the argument though. Like what, yeah. what's their stance? Like you don't deserve this attention because all you did was run. Yeah. And, and that's, what's really shut up. Just <laughs> that's, that's, you know, and I don't, I don't come just to read them. So I stop, unfortunately, like whenever people publish articles, I, I stop really reading the comments and, but people will call me and they say, I, I quit smoking because of you, or my husband died of cancer and you've given me something to, I ran my first marathon because of you. And that makes it worth it. You know, like if anybody ever runs their first 5k or because of me, like that, that makes me really, really proud. I got my long one on Thursday. I'm going to put an extra half mile in, man. I think you should. <laughs> I've never regretted a run. 
you know, I've never said, damn, I wish I didn't do, I've never, like, that's the thing about running is like, you just, it, it's a tough sport. It will chew you out and spit you out. But I think so it's boring, just, Becca. It's just different. It's so different. I mean, I played soccer my whole life and I, and I especially love, you know, I, I just really, but I think, um, running is tough, you know, and I understand if, if you need a break, take a break. And when you feel good, go for it. I just want to peel back a little bit in your thoughts on pain. So like, I've noticed this, it's, this is what's really helped me the past just four weeks with running. I've always hated cardio, but I've realized like, all right, like you gotta, if you can be okay with the suffering a little bit, you'll feel a little bit tougher after. Like what do you think pain is a necessity for growth mentally? I do. And I think you do what you can. So some days you, you, they, you go out and you say, I'm just going to, I'm going to do four miles. And then you wind up doing six. You, you always wind up doing more than you think you can do, but just don't put pressure on yourself or, you know, if it's going to stress you out or if you're going to hate the run during, just skip it. But I, I always say, head out for a run without a goal. Just say, I'm going running, you know, just put aside. Also, the thing about running, I find like, if I just stick to a time, like my time that I'm running is 5am, you know, and the biggest thing for me is when people are like, I want to do what you're doing. Um, but I don't have time, you know, it's a slap in the face for me because I'm up at four 30 in the morning running. And if, if it's important to you, you'll find the time, you know, if it's something that you want to be doing, you'll find, but it's hard when people are like, Oh, I want to be you. I want to do what you do, but I just don't have time. You know, I'm like, well, I, I mean, I'm not, I, I so I was going to say, you don't you, you're operating two businesses right now, right? Yeah. I own it. My daughter's 12 and you know, I own a daycare. I manage an ice cream shop. It's both are very successful and busy. And you know, I, I wrote a children's book and I am very busy, but I love my life is like a puzzle. I love all the things that I do. And, um, you know, I have my foundation and I have my, you know, I assistant coach, the girls soccer team and a conditioning coach with them. And so, but I love all the things that I do, but it's very much like a puzzle. So when people say like, Oh, I want to do what you do, but I don't have time. It's, it's stressful. It's hard for me to, for me to hear that because I, I work very hard, you know, and on a, you've challenged yourself to the like absolute limit physically. Have you been able to channel it into your business life? Like, has it been easy to translate it or is it still a challenge? Yeah. I think with me, like with my ice cream shop that I manage and the daycare that I own, people know people trust because I am very successful in my outside life that people are going to expect the same of, you know, so my daycare is very clean. The ice cream shop is very clean. It's very successful and, um, both do really well. So, uh, I definitely think they're Muzis, right? Yeah. Muzis. So did you, you started that, when did you guys take over Brigham's? Cause that is what, uh, and so eight years ago. And you were part of that acquisition? Like, all right. Yeah. Yeah, I just went from like store manager to store manager and I have my own flavor named after me, the Becca Seven. You have to come try it. It's really good. And um, but it's people are come in and they're like, Oh my god, are you the runner? I'm like, Yeah. And they're like, What are you doing here? I'm like, I love being here. You know, I I, I think that they think that I just my name's associated, but we're not gonna see her there. And then uh, you know, it's it's that's what I love. I I mean I love being at the ice cream shop. I love my daycare, I love all these things. So um I feel lucky. Now, what is your day-to-day like, like if you're a pre-marathon prep training, say, let's say Boston was on this year in March, what would your day-to-day be like? So getting up at 5 a.m. and putting, I'm running about, still running about 70 miles. So um, get up, run, get Taylor off to school. Once I get my daughter off to school, then I can feel like, okay, now I need to work. And then when she comes home, then def- um, I also bought a Peloton, which I really, really love. I didn't think it would be for me, but I really love it. I use it all the time. And, um, it's another great second workout. I don't like to run twice. Um, so, and then I was doing a ton with, um, TD 12 and they were really, it's really nice to go in there and pay extra attention to your body. And, um, but then, but then I, I try to go to bed early, but it doesn't really, doesn't really work. I always go to bed at like midnight. So, um, just trying to, you know, stay busy during the day. So you wake up at five, you go for your run, you send your daughter off to school and then where do you work in the business life with the daycare? The day, yeah. The daycare is Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and the ice cream shops Wednesday, Saturday, typically. So you work every day of the week. Yeah. Full day. I work. And Sunday's the only day that I don't run and I don't work. Try to catch up with my life on Sundays. Laundry. What, 
What is it like for you when your body takes a, like a, a week break from running? Do you feel really it's very rare? It has to be a very huge goal because I believe in recovery runs too. So even after a marathon, I'll take one or two days off and then recovery, slow running. And, um, but it's when I do stuff like the seven, 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 and I, I'm kind of crabby when I'm not running. So I'm not really the same person. I don't really like to not run kind of keeps me sane. You got the OCD bug, man. Yeah, that's a definite. That is definitely, I always, I feel so fortunate to be able to run that I have my health. I mean, we are very lucky. Hey, famo. I could ask Becca questions for years, but Lexi, <laughs> we'll start with you. You got some for uh, Becca? Yes, I do. Hi, Becca. I Hi. want to ask you, um, in your 2018 777, you took a wrong turn in your Columbia race. Have you taken any other metaphorical wrong turns in your life? <laughs> uh, my first marriage, maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, other, other, <laughs> you know what, like sometimes life does it, it, it doesn't go your way. No, uh, college was awesome. I went to college in North Carolina. I absolutely love the experience. They Where'd are my biggest fan. Yeah, in Mars Hill University outside of Asheville. A big running school. You know, we went to nationals, got the ring, got, got the rings and um, the titles. And that was, I was, I don't, I have no regrets. You know, e even I joke with my marriage, but even I have no, my first marriage, I have no regrets and it's all a learning experience and you're going to make so many mistakes in life and that's okay. When you make a mistake, just brush it off and, and own it and move on. Well, what are your mistakes? Like we just um, talked about a lot of, we talked about a lot of W's today, man. <laughs> trial and error you know sometimes you get life really wrong or you know even even what's hardest for me is raising my child and, and not really knowing you know we we are so close and are we too close I don't know you, you know you just you just kind of trust that you know what you're doing and you know you could read all the books in the world and you can do all the things in the world but just trying to um just is balance really hard for you balance you know it's hard when people invite me to dinner and I can't go and I it's not that I don't want to, and I just, I can't fit it in. And I don't want to, you know, that it's hard for me to say, no, I think that's, that's tough for me. You know, it's not. And then, um, I like the, you know, my parents would sometimes say you're too busy, you know, especially like leading up to the Boston marathon and uh, these certain, you know, you're too busy. Are you okay? And I'm like, I like this, you know, it keeps busy, keeps me out of trouble. So, um, I, but no, I, I think it's hard for me to say no sometimes. Dude, you're going to live till you're like 280. I hope so. I, that's that's I another, hope, another record. I hope I'm with you, man. I got to join your running club, though. Hey, B, yeah. uh, you want to ask Becca a question? Yeah, hey, Becca. Hi. Um, so I'm totally amazed by your mental fortitude, but I just wanted to ask you about footwear because there's this famous example in Mexico of a tribe that runs barefoot and they sell at marathon, ultra marathons. Um, have you ever tried running barefoot and like what goes into your shoe uh, selection? No. So I was lucky and I'm fortunate enough to be partnered with Newton running and they make a great stability sneaker. And, and I know with all, they are a marathon sneaker and I know that all the, mar the um, miles that I'm going to be running, I've never, see, I'm like such, I've been running since I was six, I'm 40 years old. And, um, if it's not broken, like I'm not going to fix it. So that's even like the change in my diet and the, the keeping up with the Joneses. I don't do any of that because I, it's work for me. So eating, all that I want to eat and, you know, running in the sneakers I want to be running in, it just works for me. So, um, I don't, many, many of the people, my friends have moved to the, what are they, the Vibram sneakers and they're very happy in them. But, um, and many have run the seven, 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 although you can't run in Arica cause your feet will freeze, but, um, the Vibrams and they were very happy with those. So I've never, I've just never gone that route. And, um, until I'm injured, it takes like an injury for me to really switch something up. Right now, do you think you could just send it and play pro sports? Probably coming out of college, but probably not now. I don't With, know, man. Like, you're in such ridiculous shape that you might be able to play women's soccer. Well, I do love soccer, and I, you know, I love, but I think I, think I could be a real good ultra marathon runner, um, and I think that I would be good in an Ironman someday cause, because the endurance is there. Um, but the, in a ball the, sport though yeah going pro oh like a ball like a oh oh well yeah i mean i definitely so in college i walked on the soccer team because they were when i would play intramural they're like who's this girl that when the whole everybody i can score all the goals at the end when everybody else is tired 
because of the endurance. So I was able to score many goals. So sometimes in college, I would go to a race in the morning and then have a four o'clock soccer game and be able to score goals at the second half of the game because everybody else was so tired and my endurance level was still really fit. So um, I do miss soccer. I definitely do. But um, no, I, I don't, I don't want to move to, to, I love the town of Belmont that I live in. I don't want to move and um, definitely don't want to put that much work, you know, so I'm happy. I know you're saying, but do you think athletically and also mentally right now, like if you really wanted to put your mind to it, you could play in a professional women's soccer league. Yeah, I would love to. I love soccer. I, I would definitely, I don't know if my skill level is there, but um, I, I definitely would love to. I just, I'm like drawn to that type and really competitive. I think, I think between being really fit and really competitive, but I'm trying to put that all into like the run across America, which, which is so, I've never had a dream so big for me that I'm afraid to tell people like that's something that I'm afraid to tell people because there's so much room for failure. Now, how does that run work? The world record is 54 miles a day for 56 days. So two, so essentially a little over two marathons for 56 days straight. Yeah. Yeah. That's the world record. When do you want to do it? 2021. Like to do that. I mean, we have the resources to, you know, I have a team of people and did you yeah, look up uh, James Lawrence when I sent you that thing? No, I didn't get a chance to yet. He did it. Yeah. And, and then he, he broke his like feet, his body fat got to like 1%. Well, actually, no, I think he did, um, he did an Ironman in every state, I think. Yeah, I think that's what he did. And Pete Kolsnick did the, you know, I talked to him and he said, he said it's a long 60, he did it, he did it in like a 30 something days and he went 64 miles a day, something like that. He said he has no regrets in doing it. It was a time of his life, but it's very stressful. Now, one thing I saw in the Joe Rogan podcast with the the woman, Courtney, is she said when you really reach like the physical apex of your races, you can sometimes hallucinate. Has that happened to you? Yeah. Yeah. That happened to me in, when I was doing the volcano marathon and literally like you're, it's an out of body experience. Like you just can't even think straight. And and that kind of happened to me in Antarctica too, where you become delusional. You're like, like, I thought I was hearing things. And I was like, well, that's, I'm not hearing things. I just can't, I, it's so cold. I can't think straight. So that's exactly like another thing. So, um, but you just like, what were you hearing? I was hearing like pin drops, but like there was nothing around me. So I remember, th- I remember looking, it, c- it kind of sounded like those little triangular musical things. And I'm like, what was that? And I would like look around and there was nothing around. So you kind of become a little delusional when you're, when you're running like that. And so are, do you feel like your training now is primed for the, the cross country? I think that everything that I've done leading up to this point um, is definitely on, on the right track, but I will definitely need to be running hundred mile weeks at least, um, for a few months before I, rather than when I hit the hundred mile weeks, I was doing that like once every like couple weeks, but I'm going to have to start doing hundred and like a bunch of 24 hour races too. Just how, to does, how does sleep work for that challenge? So you, it's all you're running and sleeping. That's it. Running, sleeping, eating. So there's just like the seven, 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 except no flying. <sighs> So we just, I put a team together. We just, my team just won, um, Dave McGilvery's. We had virtual race across America. We won it by like 700 miles. And, um, that was fun, but like you, it was fun because you kind of got to watch it, you know, like they'd be like, good morning. You're you've woken up and you're in whatever, you know, what state. And, um, you're like, okay. But, um, thinking about being in a state for so long is kind of tough but I'll have to like run across Massachusetts to see what that feels like. Maybe run to Canada to see what that feels like. Growing up for you, was it hard for you to get along with other girls? No, because I think I, my personality, like I just want to be friends with everybody. So I think I got lucky that all my friends actually were very supportive, you know, back in the day, like competitive though. Not really. Yeah. Not, we, we were more of a, I mean, I did, I did play soccer. So you're more of a team competitive and i had a real good friend a running friend too and we were uh we always went to races together and but that was it was fun to have her support we were in different events so um that was nice too but um no i just remember my friends community family being really supportive even even though my dreams are like absolutely crazy and i knew that i wanted to run in college and 
after college. I think your audio just cut out for a sec. Sorry. So there you go. Um, Hey, Riley, you want to ask a question? I can ask Riley's for her. She had to hop off. Oh, that Riley, man. (laughs) Riley wants to know, Becca, have you ever experienced doubters because of your gender, despite how clearly talented and motivated you are? Yeah. Yeah. That's an awesome question. So I've been in line at like Starbucks before and people are like, did you hear about the girl? That's great. That's impossible. Nobody could ever do that. And, um, I think having being a female and a female has never done it before. And, and what was stressful is when I, when I was doing it, I was speaking to men that had done it. So in my mind, you know, I knew I could do it, but I think definitely having, being a female, a lot of people, people were saying to me, to my face, I'm going to follow you because I don't believe that this is, this is impossible. Nobody could do this. That's why I'm going to follow you. I'm like, how about you follow me because you believe in me and that you, you know, maybe there's a chance that I can do it, you know? So that was really tough and, um, and stressful. And, and the comments that were the worst ever were all from men. And I'm like, what is it that, that, that was really hurtful and how it's unfortunate because if you knew me, we probably would be friends. So, um, those are the most insecure dudes on the planet. I, it was, you know, and then having the people come to bat for you, you're like, Oh no, do not, don't even fight on my behalf. Like I don't even care. Like it was really stressful having the comments that were so hurtful. Um, but yeah, people were like, I'm going to follow you because this is impossible. Nobody can do that. You know? And I'm like, or, or being in line in Starbucks and people talking about you, like, there's no way, no no one's going to do, you know? And it was kind of, I was like the talk of the town also because there's really nothing else going on in January. There's no like major sports in Boston. And I think people were bored, but to hear them talking about you in line, you're like, Whoa, that's mean, you know, and, but that fueled my fire, you know? Was this the, the Belmont Center Starbucks? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're like a narrow one. Yeah. I'm like, well, I hear you. Like I've heard, you know, I've heard or people will tell my friends will tell me somebody said that and, and they've stuck up for me and I'm like, God, you know, so. So that's so interesting to me that it affects you. Like the negative comments affects you like that. Do you, are you fueled more by positivity or negativity? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when somebody says like they quit smoking because of me or they, you know, they, they were sick with cancer and they gave me hope or any, they were especially like they've run their first 5k because of me, that, that just means everything to me. But, but you tell me somebody has said something about me and I'm, I'm going to like take it out on the course and I'm going to run fast as fast as I can and give it a hundred percent, you know, so the um, negativity. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way, man. It's just yeah. like things could be going so well, but I feel like I don't really kick into like a, another gear with anything I'm doing unless I have some sort of hate. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like when I got lost in Columbia and nothing will scare you like being lost in Columbia, I was like, my body like wanted to break down. I ran an extra mile and I was like, and everyone's like, it's an extra mile in a 160 mile race. Who cares? And I'm like, I am going to throw down in this last race. I was just fuel. I was like, I'm going to throw down in this last race the second time with a 777. So I was like, nothing, nothing's going to stop me. Now I'm angry. Now I'm really I'm mad at myself for getting lost and not paying attention. And so I gave it like a thousand percent on the last race because I was like, I'm running mad. I'm running, you know, so I'm not in the mood. So that helped. Now you don't drink at all, right? I don't drink. People are like, "What's, what's wrong with you? Like, what, what's the mystery?" And it's just, I don't, I don't. I am obviously, I have a very addictive personality. I'm, I'm a runner, and you know, I, but I, I think, um, I, yeah, I, to me, I don't like the feeling of getting up and feeling like crap, you know, and. Me too. Probably I'm going to always be going for a run the next day. And I don't like that feeling. If I'm at a wedding or if I want to have a drink with my, that's like no problem. But, um, I don't want people to see me and be like, yeah, we always see her drinking or we are because we like my husband and I eat out to eat, go out to eat six nights. We love to go out to eat. And six nights drinking, a week you, you go out. Yeah. We out, go out to eat six, maybe not so much now because Corona. What do you, where do you, what do you like in Belmont? You like Il Casal? Um, no, I mostly like the restaurants like right outside of Belmont, like Bertucci's is like my go-to. And, um, I the love one I those. always, 
Yeah. The one I love that, that one too. Me too. Their food is great. The service is awesome. And, um, Summer and Shack? then we love, if you've never been, no, Barcelona and Brookline, they have tapas, my absolute favorite. So we love anything like that. Um, so, but I feel like, I don't know. I don't want my daughter seeing me. I, I just, I'm not self-conscious about it, but I'm careful around her. And no, obviously you don't smoke any peyote no. or anything like that. No. Have you ever? Never in my life. Really? Yeah. And very, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely something I'm proud of. And yeah, I definitely, um, yeah, I'm just always been super careful and, 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 you know, I get my highs from running. I, was, I always have. I was going to say, you were pretty much tripping on the volcano anyway, man. Yeah. So you're okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Hey, I mean, we could, I would, when you set up the, the, the cross country challenge. I definitely want to run another episode. I will definitely be there. Yeah. I'm always up. I am always up to something. So like anytime I'm doing something new, when I finish the 50 States, because the 50 States has been really fun. So, um, lots of stories in there. So, um, I'll definitely come back on and, and then the run across America and Kona, maybe Kona Ironman someday. And hopefully we can meet in person, man. Yeah. I love that. How tall are you? Like five, one, five, one. Wow, and you still run so fast. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. Is is there like a, a desired height and weight for a, a female competitive ultra marathon runner? No, I'm not, not your typical runner. I think that people there is no like if you run, you run, but I think people when they meet me in person, they're expecting like emaciated, thin, thin, tall, skinny runner. And I'm just not. And I think that's why I'm so lucky that I've never had this other than like pushing my body to the limit has never had like I'm never, my running friends are constantly out with stress fractures and shin splints and all these things. I, I think I just, between listening to my body and being a thicker runner, um, kind of defying odds. Okay. So before we go, we have a couple little bits to end our show. One, did you have fun? I had the time of my life. I hope this was not the time of your life. I hope like <laughs> running across the country is going to be the time of your life. I'd love to share my story. So thanks for listening. Absolutely. Okay. So our first bit is called GDP sales mode. So I'm going to go onto my phone and I'm going to take out the timing app and I'm going to time out 40 seconds. You have the floor for 40 seconds to pitch whatever you want to pitch. You already kind of talked about your children's book a little bit and maybe some of the other stuff you're doing. I would like my pitch moosies or if you want to just use some inspirational words, that's fine too but you have 40 seconds. And when there's only 10 seconds left, I'm going to put my hand up and I'm going to give you a hard cut at 40. Okay. Okay. All right. Five, four, three, two, one sales mode. Go. Hi, it's Becca Beasy here from Belmont Mass. And be sure to try my ice cream flavor, the Becca seven at Moosey's Belmont. And if you want to follow me, I'm always up to something. I just wrote a children's book. I'm an author of Becca's feet on and you can find it at beccapeasy.com. It's a children's book for early readers, maybe seven to seven to twelve. And follow me at beccapeasy.com and I'm on Facebook as well. And running my 18th Boston Marathon in September. So hope to see you soon and reach out if you have any questions. Well executed. 35 seconds in the 40. Good work. Um okay. This is how we start and end the show. You say hi your name, and this is my golden hour, directly after no break, hi, your name, and that was my golden hour. So it's this is, and that was. Wait, so what do I say? This is, this is so hi, I'm Becca Peasy, and this is my golden hour. Then hi, I'm Becca Peasy, and that was my golden hour. And I would dress it up a little bit. I would say like ultra marathon runner, badass, kick ass in the world. Hi, I'm Becca Peasy, ultra endurance runner, and um, this is my golden hour. Yeah. Hi, I'm Becca Peasy, and that was my golden hour. Well executed. That was perfect. <laughs> um, hey, I want to, I'll probably just drop it off when my father lives in Cambridge, but uh, I want to get you and your daughter a sweatshirt. Oh, I'm awesome. Absolutely. Sure. You, could she wear a small? Yeah. Okay, sweet. Could you wear a small? Yeah. All right, we got a plan, man. Hey, thank you so much. And I think, hey, Lexi, when do you want to drop this? Can we drop Friday or Thursday? Let's do Thursday. Thursday morning, we're going to drop this. Perfect. 
and, and we'll, produ- we'll produce a bunch of clips so you can share whatever you want. Okay, that sounds great. Hey, thank you so much for doing this for us. Thanks for having me. All right, hey, we'll talk soon. Thank you. All right, sounds good.